had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Dad, I'm sitting here today in the U.S. Capitol talking to our elected professionals. Is proof that you made the right decision 40 years ago to leave the Soviet Union. Do not worry. I will be fine for telling the truth. That's Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vindman making his opening statement as a witness in President Trump's first impeachment. It's November 19th, 2019. I've dedicated my entire professional life to the United States of America. For more than two decades, it has been my honor to serve as an officer in the United States Army. In July 2018, I was asked to serve at the White House National Security Council. As he says, Alex Vindman is a member of the White House's National Security Council. He was one of the people on a call, I'm going to say a now infamous call, between President Donald Trump and the new president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, in July of 2019. President Zelensky was urging President Trump to release military aid, which had been somewhat mysteriously delayed. As the call was winding down, President Trump said, quote, I'd like you to do us a favor, though, unquote. That favor is to open an investigation into his political rival, Joe Biden. It's what you'd call a quid pro quo, which would be a big red flag to anyone listening in. Within minutes, Alex Vindman reported what he heard, through the proper channels. He then agreed to testify before Congress, because he's a believer in the system. It was much better than the system his family had left behind in the Soviet Union. As a young man, I decided I wanted to spend my life serving this nation that gave my family refuge from authoritarian oppression. And he had every reason to expect that, since he was blowing the whistle strictly by the book, he had nothing to worry about. I also recognize that my simple act of appearing here today, just like the courage of my colleagues, who have also truthfully testified before this committee, would not be tolerated in many places around the world. In Russia, offering public testimony involving the president would surely cost me my life. I'm grateful for my father's brave act of hope 40 years ago and for the privilege of being an American citizen and public servant, where I can live free of fear for mine and my family's safety. 
Lieutenant Colonel Vinman wasn't sent to a gulag in Siberia, and he wasn't executed, so I guess you could say he was ahead of the game. But he was not fine. The president was acquitted, but Vinman was fired and forced out of the military where he had served for 21 years. You may think you know his story, but what you may not know is that Alex Vinman is still picking up the pieces. I'm Miles Taylor, and this is The Whistleblowers. On this show, we're going deep into the heart of power to meet the people who spoke out about wrongdoing from inside the Trump administration. Some were in the president's inner circle, others were on the front lines of top agencies. But they all have a few things in common. The ethical gray areas, the doubts about whether what they did even made an impact. And they all paid a price. Episode 4, State of Chaos. The future Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vinman and his family ended up in the United States when his father decided to move them from Ukraine. It's one of those real American dream stories that makes you feel good about the country. We immigrated from the Ukraine Soviet Socialist Republic in 1979. My mother was was dying of cancer. She didn't survive to get to the United States. She passed away in Ukraine. My father left at the age of 47. We were three and a half years old. The we Alex is referring to is himself and his identical twin brother. Uh, my name is Yevgeny Vimin. Uh, most people knew me as Yev. Yes, they sound exactly alike. And you can see how this could get a little complicated in a podcast. So we'll be sure to let you know who's who. And Yevgeny, Eugene, who's also known as Yev, claims he's the funnier brother. So if it's funny, maybe assume it's him. But for now, back to Alex. We came to the United States as refugees, uh, political refugees, fleeing anti-Semitism. So not leaving for kind of economic reasons, but for the aspirations of uh, enjoying America's bounties, freedom, liberty, justice, equality, all these types of things. Alex and Yev's father had already seen what anti-Semitism looked like when his family narrowly escaped the Nazi occupation of Kiev in 1941. He and his family, his uh, sister and his mother survived World War II, fleeing the Nazi attacks into Ukraine, the inevitable seizure of Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, and the mass slaughter, the extermination of the Jewish population. He managed to, to evade that by just a matter of hours, days, and lived out the war in the Ural Mountains. His grandfathers on both sides didn't have the same luck surviving the war. Both of my grandfathers passed away. But this is the kinds of stories that we we were raised on. His experiences as a young man, kind of being a little bit of a troublemaker himself, uh, which, which resonated with my twin brother and I. The Vinman family lands in Brighton Beach in Brooklyn. And incredibly, the twin boys wind up in a PBS documentary by filmmaker Ken Burns called Statue of Liberty that looks at what this symbol means to American immigrants. So we went to Italy, then we came here. 
both of the Vinman boys wanted to serve their adopted country. Here's Alex. I thought that there was an obligation to repay the debt of welcoming us to the United States. My older brother, my twin brother, we all served in the military. Why I went into the military is tied to the immigrant roots. Alex and Yev both quickly rise through the ranks of the U.S. military. Yev gets his law degree and serves in combat in the Iraq War, earning the rank of lieutenant colonel in 2016 and multiple commendation medals. Like Yev, Alex serves in Iraq, where he's awarded a Purple Heart after being injured when his vehicle struck a roadside bomb. About seven years into the military, I had to make a judgment call on whether I wanted to be a troop leader, an airborne ranger, all those cool things, or do something that contributed in a a bigger way. And I made the determination that I could contribute in a bigger way as a foreign area officer. Alex's area of expertise will be Russia. It's a natural choice. I had some advantages because Russian was spoken in the home. I had some cultural awareness. I had traveled to the region. I managed to take a successful career as an infantryman, pick up additional language in addition to Russian, Ukrainian, went to get an advanced degree at Harvard, went straight to Moscow, was in Moscow for three years during the period where this war between Russia and Ukraine started. I had served in Ukraine. I went to the Pentagon, drafted the strategies to manage Russia as an adversary, and then went to the White House based on the work I did in the Pentagon. Yeah, the Vinmans, they're overachievers. All that came together in a phenomenal way where I just had an awesome, awesome career run all the way up until the White House. Up until the White House, where things get complicated. enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Well, I hope that we do have good relations with Russia. It's a big country. It's a nuclear country. It's a country that we should get along with, and I think we will eventually get along with Russia. I was very, very, very thoughtful about joining the Trump White House. 
I was uh, recruited to join in almost a year into the administration, in November of 17. I had certainly monitored the, the direction the administration was taking and got the pulse on, on what the situation was. And the, the response was not heartening. The response is, from somebody that had been deployed to combat three times, you've never been to as perilous an environment as you're about to set foot in. So it was, it was definitely cautionary. But Alex feels he has a lot to offer. He's a Russia policy expert, and he brings that expertise to the White House National Security Council, or NSC, which is basically the nerve center at the White House for the most sensitive decisions on foreign policy, diplomacy, and sometimes war. And he isn't coming into this tricky environment completely alone. In July of 2018, when he joins the NSC, Yev, his brother, accepts a position there as well. Here's Yev. I was the deputy legal advisor on the National Security Council. It was extremely prestigious working with senior officials on the most sensitive and important topics in the country. The Vinman brothers. One thing about them is they are not shy. They make an impression. And I remember what I first heard about Alex. I remember roughly the window when you started because some of our senior counselors for intelligence and national security would interact with you at the NSC. I heard Alex Finman you know, is a know-it-all on these issues. And I had someone on my That's staff. That's uh, I had someone on my staff who I actually asked, uh, you know, give me a readout of this Alex Vindman guy. She said, he's not a know-it-all. He knows his shit. <laughs> he especially knows his shit about Russia. And given his knowledge of the language and culture, his bosses also decide to add Ukraine to Alex's portfolio. It makes sense, given that Ukraine's biggest security threat is often from its own neighbor. When Alex starts on the NSC, it's an especially delicate time. Ukraine is a U.S. ally in Europe, and Russian forces are starting to push further into Ukrainian territory after having already seized a region known as Crimea. It's an alarming sign of escalation and a threat to an American ally. Coupled with the warnings from the intelligence community about Russia's interference in American elections, it feels like a moment when the U.S. should be sending a strong message to the leader in Moscow, Vladimir Putin. My first day on the job on the National Security Council, you know, the day that you're supposed to show up and in process and get the orientations, was Helsinki. He's referring to the summit between Trump and Putin about U.S.-Russia relations held in Helsinki in July of 2018. And that was the day that President Trump decided that he was going to fanboy Putin and basically take his word over the collective opinion of the national security community, the intelligence community about Russian interference. He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. Trump decides to ignore the American spy community and accept the word of Russian rival Vladimir Putin. This shocks Alex, just as much as it shocked Andy McCabe, top officials at DOJ, intelligence leaders, a lot of us in the administration. What is it with Trump's deference to Moscow? Just a few months later, Russia gets more aggressive in Ukraine, and the president continues to give Putin a pass, preferring to look the other way. 
you had the Ukrainian Navy attempt to navigate uh, crossing to get from one part of the country, circumnavigating around Crimea, get to the other part of the country through a place called the Kerch Strait. And the Russians attacked them. On CNN, correspondent Matthew Chance underlines just how serious this situation is becoming. This is a major escalation, potentially, because you've seen uh, Russian uh, forces, according to the Ukrainian Navy, fire upon three naval vessels and then board them with a raiding party consisting of Russian uh, special forces. The Ukrainian military says at least six of its naval personnel were injured in that confrontation. I was scrambling to come up with some good solutions. What can we do? And the president basically, not only did he not do anything, he canceled a lot of activities that we had already on the plate to support Ukraine, basically Black Sea operations where we, we do partnership exercises with a whole bunch of Black Sea states. Those were, were canceled. So I thought it was a president just being weak-kneed. Later on, I realized that it was both his dislike of Ukraine and his enamoration with Putin that were probably equally important in this. A few months later, in April of 2019, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Maria Yovanovitch, is fired. One of my key partners was the ambassador in Ukraine, Masha Yovanovitch. And she was a you know, long-serving public servant, decades of distinguished service. She ended up getting targeted by the far right, a slander campaign by a Ukrainian, a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor general, then somehow Rudy Giuliani got involved with the president's attorney. That started to become troubling. Rudy Giuliani's on the case, and a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor, Yuri Lutsenko, who circulates a story that the U.S. Ambassador Yovanovitch is refusing to investigate supposedly questionable ties between Ukrainian officials and Hillary Clinton. The truth of this is, well, it's non-existent. But Trump's inner circle, people like Giuliani, Donald Trump Jr., and Sean Hannity, join in, attacking the U.S. ambassador. She made it past that first tranche of kind of slanderous accusations, and then it came back around in April because Don Jr., President's son, attacked her on Twitter. And that was it. She's recalled. And maybe recalled doesn't sound that bad, but she's actually been ordered back to Washington overnight where she faces the end of a 33-year career in the Foreign Service. Masha Ivanovich was ousted in April. You started hearing Rudy Giuliani publicly attack Ukraine, and that brought about complete upheaval in our Ukraine policy. The question is why? Why does the Trump administration attack its own ambassador? Why is a random Ukrainian prosecutor spreading conspiracy theories? And why doesn't the administration just condemn Russia when it threatens a U.S. ally, Ukraine? It became quite apparent that it was all about U.S. domestic politics. The 21st of April, you had a new president of Ukraine. Zelensky was elected in a landslide victory. BBC News captures the excitement when a TV actor named Volodymyr Zelensky is elected president. I had proposed a congratulatory call for the president to call Zelensky. They ended up calling him on the day of his victory and just having a very pleasant congratulatory call, mainly because the president likes winners. This occurred 
on April 21st. Weeks later, it was completely different narrative. Today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. The importance of this connection between the election of Zelensky and Joe Biden announcing his candidacy isn't totally obvious. So let me explain. First off, Donald Trump sees a line of attack in Ukraine against a Democratic opponent back home, Joe Biden. And that's because Biden's son, Hunter, had done business deals in Ukraine when Biden was vice president. And Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who's been leading opposition research on Trump's perceived enemies, thought they ought to do some digging into those deals to see what they could find and maybe point allegations of corruption from Hunter Biden to his father, Joe. You know, see if that whole soul of a nation loftiness can be brought down a peg. But the second thing to understand is specific to Ukraine. Alex and Yev explain. Alex first. Ukraine's history isn't always clean. It does have a deeper history of corruption. There had been some major protests in 2013 in Ukraine that were known as the Maiden Uprising. Now, the protests were about government corruption and the power of the oligarchs in the political system. And they led to the removal of then-president Viktor Yanukovych. Fighting corruption becomes an important issue for the incoming president. And then there's the issue of Russia's threat to Ukrainian security. So, new guy Zelensky has to tackle both of these issues at the same time. Yev explains this part. He had, uh, on the one hand, his country that he's trying to defend from not quite the onslaught that we're seeing now from the Russians, but still a significant attack and fight corruption. So you can see the pieces align. President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and others see that Biden may have an Achilles heel when it comes to Ukraine. And they see the new president there, Zelensky, as someone they can lean on, especially given the country's history of corruption. Maybe, in exchange for that much-needed help on the Russia thing, Zelensky can do some back-scratching for Donald Trump and his Joe Biden problem. And the U.S. Ambassador Yovanovitch is now out of the picture. So who's left to complain about it? Neither Alex or Yev know any of this at the time. Yev, again. This is all part of a scheme. I was not privy to and didn't understand the scheme until a lot of this information came out. This was a concerted effort. Alex is just trying to get President Trump off to a good start with Zelensky. But then he begins to feel more and more uneasy, especially when the president orders staff not to release security assistance to Ukraine money that the country absolutely needs if it's going to keep Russia in check. In June, the president had placed this hold on security assistance. Relatively quickly thereafter, they convened a sub-PCC. That stands for Policy Coordination Committee Subgroup. Yeah, Washington loves an acronym. All these deputy assistant secretaries to get together and get people on the books saying that everybody believes the right thing to do to advance U.S. policy was to continue to offer Ukraine security assistance. I was diligently working as, as much as I could to kind of navigate us back on track, with little effects, frankly. That was further substantiated on July 10th during this meeting in the White House in the National Security Advisor's office. 
where, you know, this character, Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the EU, flat out says that in order to get things back on track with the Ukrainians, they need to deliver an investigation. That's an investigation into Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden's dealings in Ukraine. And this meeting ends abruptly, and then I'm arguing with Gordon about the fact that we're not going to do that. (laughs) I don't know if it needs to be overstated that there needed to be dirt, per se. All the president needed was the innuendo. All he needed was the Ukrainians to announce an investigation, and he would take it from there. This is a country that was in a state of war. They might try to act on principle, but it push comes to shove. If they have to choose between the national survival and digging up some dirt or fabricating some dirt. You can see it could be tempting. The Ukrainians need weapons and money to fight Russia. America is their key to those resources. And the president wants to use that need as leverage to get dirt on his political enemy. On July 25th, 2019, there's a phone call between President Zelensky and President Trump. Alex and his colleagues are just hoping the conversation will be productive. Instead, all of this finally explodes into the open. If there's a good conversation, it might result in lifting the hold on security systems. I went in with a small sense of potential hope, but a lot of foreboding about what could uh, happen. There were about a half a dozen officials in, in that White House situation room with me. The president probably had no idea. I have this funny visual of him, it's kind of disturbing, sitting in his underwear, drinking a Coke, you know, uh, up early. He doesn't like to do anything before like 11. So this was a nine o'clock phone call. He was there just kind of winging it. Okay, I got to pause for a second just to say, I'm having PTSD listening to this story. Turned out that Mike Pompeo was on this phone call. John Bolton was nowhere to be seen, by the way. Distanced himself as much as he could. Mike Pompeo was Secretary of State and John Bolton was the president's national security advisor. So he probably should be there, since this is about national security. And it was me sitting with a handful of um, you know, senior government officials prepared to take instructions, listen in on the phone call, do the follow-up that, you, that emerges out of these phone calls. And nobody's listening in to trip up the president or to you know, go gotcha. We're just there doing our jobs. Tripping him up is not necessary, because what does the president say? I'd like you to, I'd like you to do us a favor, though. All right, it's like a, a mafia don. Zelensky's like, hey, Donald, it could really help us defend ourselves if we got more of those really sweet javelins. You know, the javelins that that have been so effective in this war, knocking out Russian armor. He asked for more, and immediately Trump goes to, I'd like you to do us a favor, though. And then he proceeds to go into this crazy rant about, you know, how Ukraine is not as good an ally, how Ukraine is ungrateful. And then he goes on a rant about Joe Biden and just like all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories and tries to get put the squeeze on Zelensky to deliver on an investigation. What was the reaction like sitting there in the situation room? Were you making eye contact with the other officials or, or talking about what was happening? I remember listening to this conversation and kind of shrinking into my seat uh, as uh, this conversation starts. And Zelensky, you know, didn't miss a beat either. He parried the president's demands and was very charismatic. Zelensky, as I said, is an actor and he's really good on his feet. So when President Trump tells Zelensky 
He'll have Rudy Giuliani get in touch with more details on this investigation he wants. Zelensky says, and I quote, I'd like to tell you that I also have quite a few Ukrainian friends that live in the United States. Actually, last time I traveled to the United States, I stayed in New York near Central Park, and I stayed at the Trump Tower, unquote. Now that's a sweet pivot. It could be a scene straight out of Veep if the stakes weren't so high. I made up my mind as soon as the call was done. It was a visceral reaction about the dangers to U.S. national security by way of demonstrating a vulnerability with Ukraine. It was offensive. I made up my mind pretty much immediately. Confident that the president has done something illegal, Alex knows he has to report it through official channels. So the first thing he does is get the best legal advice he can find, from the deputy legal advisor to the National Security Council, his twin brother, Yev, whose office is just across the hall. Here's Alex. I went in there into Eugene's office, which is right across from mine, and uh, closed the door, you know, did a brief dramatic pause to make sure I had his attention. Now, Yev. I could tell by the look on his face that there was something wrong. I know the guy quite well. I'd like to say we know each other for about 48 years. He said I heard something very disturbing. We didn't discuss it very long, frankly. We discussed it, you know, all of like five or 10 minutes. We, we were both active duty army officers. You know, we have a set of values that we live by, a set of values that we performed our duties by for the better part of 20 years at the time. Back to Alex. I said, Eugene, if what I'm about to tell you becomes public, the president would be impeached. Not having any idea that it was to happen. It was just kind of capturing the, the gravity of the moment rather than predicting that this would get to an impeachment. And back to Yev. I did what duty required. Alex and I were in complete agreement what that was. It was to report the call to my supervisor, the legal advisor for the National Security Council, who is dual-hatted as Deputy White House Counsel, and also assistant to the president, which is a pretty senior uh, presidential rank, or the most senior, in fact. And Alex. We discussed whether he should join me, and I said, you're joining me. <laughs> and then I dragged him in, and he became like a party to this whole thing. That chief legal advisor is a political appointee of the president. And as such, he's not really motivated to draw a line in the sand over Trump's behavior. Here's Alex. You report like this. He could counsel the president that what he's doing is illegal, immoral, unethical, most importantly illegal, and get the president to reverse course. He's a mild-mannered bureaucrat, self-serving, and he decided that it was not career-enhancing for him to challenge the president on this one. Alex has reason to be suspicious of this legal advisor, since the guy had also been present in that meeting with Ambassador Sondland, the one where Sondland said the Ukrainians would need to open some type of investigation into Joe Biden if the security assistance was going to be released. Here's Yev. The issue of Hunter Biden was raised, and that had set off alarm bells, and Alex had reported that. And so what I would have anticipated a good lawyer doing is having a conversation with the president. He spoke to the president several times a week. He was involved in, in many key decisions, and he did not do that. So why would he now? Assuming the president's lawyers aren't going to take any action, Alex just has to work with his colleagues to try to put Trump back on track. A couple weeks later, 
I drafted a presidential decision memo that uh, basically tried to get the president back on defending U.S. national security versus advancing his own political aspirations. So at every point, I was committed to doing this the right way. How do we manage this situation? How do we pick up the broken glass? What Alex doesn't know is that he's not the only person who was alarmed by the phone call. And he's not the only person who has decided to speak out. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. One month after the call, on August 12th, an unnamed whistleblower files a formal complaint about the Trump-Giuliani campaign to pressure Ukraine into an investigation. The anonymous whistleblower, an intelligence official, says they weren't on the Zelensky phone call, but have heard enough about it to loudly sound the siren inside the government. The complaint begins, quote, In the course of my official duties, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the President of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election, unquote. That whistleblower remains anonymous even to this day. But we did talk to their attorney, a D.C.-based lawyer whose firm specializes in these types of cases. My name is Andrew Bakai, and I'm a managing partner of Compass Rose Legal Group, and I'm also dual-hatted as senior counsel and the acting chief acting disclosure officer for Whistleblower Aid. Coincidentally, Andrew is also Ukrainian-American, and he's a former U.S. intelligence officer, like the unnamed whistleblower. I didn't know who the, this individual was, the whistleblower, before I met them. Somebody gave me a call one day saying, hey, look, you know, a friend of mine reached out to me with a really significant concern. And they need to speak to somebody who knows about, you know, what lawful whistleblowing is and how that works. I was like, yeah, sure, you know, refer them on over. I'll be happy to speak with them. We had a phone call and that's where I learned a lot, but of course not all, of the details involving the perfect phone call. The whistleblower had first submitted the complaint 
with the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. The Inspector General determined that the complaint was credible and sent it on to the Acting Director of National Intelligence, Joseph McGuire. These types of reports are almost always referred to Congress. But rather than sending it on to the Senate and the House Intelligence Committees, McGuire sat on it. So this is weird. Even if a concern wasn't needed to be urgent, they would still say, hey, we don't believe it's urgent, but we're going to go ahead and forward it to tell let them figure this out if they want. Obviously, that's not what happened. The report is filed on August 12th. Congress doesn't hear about it for an entire month. We identified two specific goals. Goal one was to get the disclosure to the Hill lawfully. Goal two was protect the client. Just protect the client. That's it. We weren't there to have there be a specific investigation, although an investigation was obviously warranted. We weren't looking to have a president considered for impeachment. We're literally disclosing a concern that something happened wrong, and our goal was to get this to the Hill. Congress is finally informed about the complaint in the middle of September. Under pressure from Bakai and the whistleblower's legal team, the inspector general decides to bypass Director McGuire altogether and get the complaint to the Hill. The House and Senate Intelligence Committees are furious that this information has been kept from them for so long. I actually wonder if the White House and the executive branch at the highest levels just let this disclosure go to the Hill. It wouldn't have died, but would it have led to an impeachment? Because I think that sometimes it's the cover-up that starts the drumbeat. First it was, there is a complaint that's not coming out. Then it's, oh, it involves potentially a, fo- a foreign leader. And then it involves a potentially a-, a phone call. You know, it was a drip, drip, drip. And I think that that's what made it bigger, in my opinion. Drip, drip, drip. Then suddenly, a splash. Congress gets the report the media learns about it, and Director McGuire is hauled up to Capitol Hill to explain why he didn't share the whistleblower's complaint sooner. Representative Adam Schiff grills him. You would concur, would you not, Director, that this complaint alleging serious wrongdoing by the president was credible? It's not for me to judge, sir. But indeed, you did judge whether this complaint should be provided to Congress. Basically, all hell breaks loose. Trump, meanwhile, decides to release the hold on Ukraine's security assistance 85 days late. Yeah, total coincidence. Then in late September, the White House is pressured to release the transcript of the phone call with Zelensky. And turns out, everything Alex and the unnamed whistleblower had said is right there in the call. But Trump disagrees. My call was perfect. The president yesterday of Ukraine said there was no pressure put on him whatsoever, none whatsoever. And he said it loud and clear for the press. What these guys are doing, Democrats, are doing to this country is a disgrace, and it shouldn't be allowed. By October 2019, the House has started impeachment hearings. Even though it didn't get much play at the time, Alex's initial report about that July phone call is now suddenly extremely relevant. He's called in as a key witness, and he's been around this administration long enough to know what that really means. I was like, okay, it's a matter of time. Once this is announced, 
I I guess I I'm tired. You know, sixteen hour days days on the National Security Council. As Rachel Rachel is Alex's wife. I think I told her like, hey, can you check on my uh, professional liability insurance? Like, you know, if I get sued, could you check that? I've got some something that's gonna you know not bankrupt us. And then I turned around and went to sleep, according to her. And she stayed up the rest of the night wondering what the hell that meant. On October 29th, 2019, Alex testifies in a closed session before three big House committees. And then November 19th, he has to testify again, this time in public. From his opening statement, his testimony makes waves. Here's Ari Melber on MSNBC, who sees just how Alex's background and military record make him the perfect witness. Vinman struck me as the most devastating we've seen in a public hearing today. This is someone who obviously looks the part, is the part. There was a, a real reticence by Republicans to go directly at him. This is an army officer who spoke very directly about why he phoned it in. He knew that it was political and wrong. This is not someone who reads in any way as aggrandizing, as looking for the spotlight. It doesn't make Alex any friends with the administration or the president's supporters. There are threats and there's harassment. I had Army Criminal Investigation Division. I had them come out and take a look at my house and we increased police patrols. I had uh, made arrangements to move on to an Army base if I needed to. It wasn't just the fact that MAGA would be angry at me for testifying against the president, but the president and his henchmen, Don Jr., Giuliani, these folks had orchestrated a campaign to attack me to vilify me, to warn off other folks from testifying. Susan Glasser is co-founder of Politico and now writes for The New Yorker. She sees how Alex and others who started speaking out about the Trump presidency had a very specific type of credibility. So much of the damning real-time information that came out of the Trump administration about the president himself was the result of the testimony of the people in the room. They're not liberal Democrats. They're Republicans, most of them lifelong Republicans or career public servants. And he just dumped on these people in an extraordinary way. Of course, there are lots of powerful people, people, in fact, with a lot less to lose, who could have testified in the impeachment hearings, but didn't. John Bolton is perhaps the best example of this. Uh, he obviously has financial independence, the ability to make money that junior officials do not have. He sells a book in the middle of this in which he makes extraordinary claims. He is a direct first-hand witness to many of the events that are at the core of the Ukraine impeachment. John Bolton did not provide that testimony. Public servants like Alex, his beleaguered boss, Fiona Hill, the fired and humiliated former ambassador, Marie Ivanovich, even Ambassador Gordon Sondland, who Alex had criticized for not doing more sooner, they all step up and testify. It gets to the bigger mystery of what are all these big men afraid of so much with Donald Trump? You know, he's, he's a schoolyard bully, but he's not gonna punch them out. One thing, we learned is that as a category and as a class, these sort of macho talking Republican officials turned out to be wimps when it came to standing up to Donald Trump.
Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. Trump is acquitted in his impeachment trial. The Senate, having tried Donald John Trump, President of the United States, upon two articles of impeachment, two-thirds of the senators present not having found him guilty, it is therefore ordered and adjudged that the said Donald John Trump be, and he is hereby, acquitted of the charges in said articles. For Alex Vindman, this result means one thing. He's fired. The only surprise was that it didn't happen the day he was acquitted. I thought I'd be out on Thursday. Instead, I should have known Friday's firing day. Were you angry at all? I think there was a combination of, a, of some relief. I was probably angry about the fact that my twin brother was, was escorted out with me. Uh, that wasn't entirely a surprise, but that is pretty vindictive to go after people's family. Yev. By that point, we were anticipating it. We compared notes about how he was intercepted in his office and I was inter- intercepted in my office by the people that we worked with every single day quite closely. This feels especially petty. Yev hadn't even been called on to testify. But Yev says they're used to being grouped together. Alex and I, our second grade teacher and administrators, had decided that we were too much trouble to keep together in the same class. So they separated us. And had the White House learned that lesson, you know, 30 plus years later, who knows what would have happened. Again, it's not a gulag in Siberia. It could be worse. But there's something that the Vindman brothers don't see coming. Their involvement in this political firestorm ends up costing both of them their long-standing careers in the U.S. military. Alex. I would end up being angry about the consequences, about the fact that, like, it turned out that the Army wasn't going to allow me to perform my duties in, the, in, in an effective manner. They, they would put me out to kind of, like, this the backwoods assignment somewhere while they figured out whether I could get promoted or not. I was selected for promotion to colonel. The White House interfered with my promotion to colonel, so they made sure that I wouldn't be able to advance in the military or hold uh, any kind of really effective position. And Yev faces that too. Even in the Army, I became persona non grata. The current Judge Advocate General of the Army, Lieutenant General Stu Rich, promoted me to Lieutenant Colonel and then ultimately declined to promote me to colonel. And one of the one-stars who's now retired explicitly told me that if I had my brother speak at my promotion, which is an intensely personal ceremony where family comes to, it's that he could not uh, perform the ceremony. So uh, it was obvious that my time in the army would not be fruitful. With the army stonewalling any future ascent, both brothers are forced to retire. And this hurts. They've risked their lives in combat. They are decorated with the highest military honors, and yet they're sidelined over petty politics. Yev. For somebody that had been serving in uniform and had deployed into combat, it, it became very disheartening to see that if the military and the army can't abide by its own values, then Soldiers would, will notice that and, and vote with their feet. And the Army missed its recruiting goal by 25% in the most recent year. I ask Alex and Yev if they had any regrets. Here's Yev first. My regrets are that our system was not stronger or that we didn't have better people 
or the people that we had didn't didn't do what they should have done when malfeasance was reported. And politics won over national security, which ended us up where we are right now. It completely upended my, my life, and I'm still dealing with some of the consequences. I mean, I'm still radioactive to folks that don't want to talk to the guy that testified against Trump. My wife recently, actually on a flight within the past couple weeks, former military guy came up to her and said something nasty, menacing. He came up and, and tried to intimidate my wife. Guy wouldn't have the, the balls to say that to me, but... An all-too-familiar tactic. Did I let that slow me down? No. We have to be able to live with the consequences. There is no Hollywood ending. The clouds don't part. The sun doesn't start shining down just because you did the right thing. That's not the real world. You just need to be able to live with the basic notion that, you know, you did the right thing and were true to kind of your own moral compass. We begin with breaking news, of course, as war unfolds in Ukraine this morning. Explosions and sirens heard in and around Kyiv overnight. Ukraine's defense ministry saying Russian forces have arrived in the capital. It's February 25th, 2022. Almost two years exactly since Trump was acquitted in his impeachment, Ukraine's worst fears about Russian aggression have come true. ABC News anchor Savannah Sellers reports the breaking news. Russia has begun a full invasion, pushing all the way toward the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Since then, hundreds of thousands of soldiers on both sides of the conflict and at least tens of thousands of Ukrainian civilians have been killed. Yev has seen the impact of this war on Ukraine firsthand. I've been involved in a State Department program with the UK and EU that Secretary Blinken announced back in May with the purpose of helping the Ukrainians investigate and prosecute war crimes. So I've had several trips already, three trips, including the last one I went out to Kharkiv, which is one of the regions where the fighting uh, is taking place and providing international expertise on what constitutes war crimes, how to investigate war crimes. Yev also sees a connection between that so-called perfect phone call and the situation on the ground in Ukraine today. There is a direct line to the, the first impeachment, the president's actions, politicizing what is obviously a national security event, defending uh, our ally against Russian aggression. By not defending them, it opened the door for, for Putin to engage in, in his current war. We're in a struggle dictatorships against democracy. An ascendant Russia, if they achieve their goals, is likely to be an empire in the next few years that we're, we're gonna have to face with other emboldened geopolitical adversaries that are gonna take lessons learned. For Alex, the war is a kind of terrible evidence of just how high the stakes were back in 2019. And it makes you wonder, if Donald Trump had been reelected, how would he have responded to Putin's invasion? If it was Donald Trump that was the president and uh, he attacked Ukraine. The he being Putin. And Ukraine was crushed. What would that look like for the United States for the 21st century? It would mean the rising tides of authoritarian regimes and the US in a much, much more perilous national security environment. Next time on The Whistleblowers. Olivia Troy was the Homeland Security Advisor to Vice President Mike Pence 
and she was known as the go-to crisis person in the White House. Think terrorist attacks, shootings, floods, bombs. But when a new virus starts making waves in January 2020, it's not just a health crisis. It's a crisis of leadership with catastrophic consequences. Whistleblowers is a production of iHeart Podcasts in partnership with Best Case Studios and Arc Media. It was hosted by me, Miles Taylor, and written by me, Isabel Evans, and Adam Pincus. Isabel Evans is also our producer. Associate producers are Hannah Leibowitz Lockhart and Ashley Warren. Darcy Peacolt is consulting producer. Zach Herman is the VP of Development of Arc Media. This episode was edited by Daniel Turek with assistance from Max Michael Miller. Original music is by James Newberry. Executive producers are me, Miles Taylor, Adam Pincus for Best Case Studios, and Barrett Goodman for Arc Media. Beth Ann Macaluso is our executive producer for iHeartMedia, along with Ali Perry. Special thanks to Kevin Pham, all of our contributors and interviewees, and our intern, Anna Levitt. And a big thanks to the teams at Government Accountability Project and Whistleblower Aid, two of the best organizations for government and private sector whistleblowers seeking legal support. Follow and rate The Whistleblowers on the podcast site of your choice. To hear what these whistleblowers and others have to say about what they believe will happen under a second Trump administration or in the White House of Amaga's successor, you can pick up my new book, Blowback, from Simon & Schuster. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in your open space. Career Builder is made for people who have that thing. You know, those superpowers that make you good at your job, the skills you bring to work. And Career Builder knows those skills make you right for other jobs too. Higher paying jobs with benefits, jobs you never thought of trying. Are you a people person? Work from home as a customer service rep. Are you organized and like driving? Become a delivery driver. You have the skills it takes, and CareerBuilder.com has the jobs to get you hired fast. Visit CareerBuilder.com. Looking for a better solution to keep your firearms in high-performance condition? Visit RiptideArmory.com for the most advanced proprietary gun cleaning formula on the market. Right now, get up to $40 off any cleaning kit for a limited time on RiptideArmory.com and take advantage of this amazing deal today. Riptide's two-step cleaning kit offers state-of-the-art technology and guaranteed satisfaction. Riptide Armory is a veteran-founded business, and you can trust that all chemicals are American-made and quality-tested. Shop RiptideArmory.com.